0: Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 8 is over, but we are just getting started here on Game of Thrones Live, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who are getting ready to serve you up a Game of Thrones recap and oysters, clams, and cockles. I'm Rob student here's Antonio
1: Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you?
0: Rob, I'm great. Are your oysters fresh? Yeah, it's all very fresh. Freshest in all of podcasting.
1: Oh man! I always knew you were a fresh
0: oyster kind of guy. <laughs> fresh oysters, of course. Uh, Josh Wiggler is enjoying some R and R, enjoying a very nice vacation, and uh, he will be with us back next week. But Antonio is here to uh, to fill in, and boy, what a night, Antonio!
1: I feel like Josh is missing so much, Rob. We, <laughs> we missed Josh with Sam last week, and then tonight he misses all this insanity. i I'm, I'm sorry, Josh. I owe you on this one for sure.
0: This was an episode where I think I did a complete 360 in the time of watching the episode where I'm saying to myself like half an hour and I said, I think this is probably the best episode of the season. I mean, I feel like we've got a lot of stuff going on and we have Tyrion and Danny for the first time. We've been waiting five seasons for this and I say, okay, this is really good. And then Jon Snow started and the snow was falling and I was like, boy, this really took a turn. Boy, this has gotten very boring. This is a very boring whole thing with the debate with all of the wildlings. And maybe that's just me. Maybe, you know, you'll tell me that this was actually uh, really fascinating what was going on. But I figured, boy, the sooner we get out of this, are we going to end the episode on this stuff? Because this is really very, very taxing all of this parliament, the wildlings. And it was very boring. But then, Antonio, things took a turn. And perhaps this was the biggest most exciting set piece that they've done in the history of Game of Thrones what do you think of that
1: yeah I mean it, the the ships with the uh, with everything blowing up in season two in the Battle of the Blackwater though that was pretty epic I mean all of this stuff that that happened with the wildfire and just everything that went on there was incredibly epic but this for sure tops the Battle of the Wall uh, from last season in my in my opinion because if you look at the highlights from the Battle of the Wall they had giants throwing spears. We got so much great giant action tonight. Like just the things that were really great about the Battle of the Wall, you know, were in this episode. Plus all the stuff with the White Walkers. So Blackwater's about the only one that I think even compares. And that one is tough because there's a lot of drama behind the scenes going on of what's Tyrion going to do and about Cersei. And this is just all fight all the time. It's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean that's probably a debate for another time. We got a lot to talk through here on Heart Home tonight, but. Antonio, very excited to uh, be here with you. Of course, we got the chat room going on here. Uh, We have also the uh, Twitter is open, hashtag PSRecaps, and then also on our YouTube page at postshowrecaps.com slash
1: YouTube. Yeah, this is great. I mean, this is uh, the chat room is live. We got a lot of tweets about this episode. Looking forward to getting into it right now, Rob. Okay. All right. And I
0: I misspoke hard home, not hard home, Antonio. Don't don't start uh, killing me already.
1: I'm wearing this heart on my shirt for you do you got confused. I got confused. All
0: right, Antonio, let, let's just talk through, uh, everything that happens because you know, I'm always confused with the, with the white walkers because, you know, I feel like we have the, we have like the white Walker guys with the blue eyes. Then we have also the, uh, what, what is the, the top of the king of the white walkers? What, what is that guy's name?
1: I don't know that we've really been officially told on the show. Uh, there, there's some debate as to that because the HBO second screen kind of experience revealed a name that they said was the Night's King. And then they took it back and they said, no, that wasn't really the character's name. That was a mistake. So I'm not sure we 100% know who who the, what the White Walker hier- hierarchy is.
0: Okay. And then there was like sort of skeleton guys that were the same sort of people that were fighting with Bran and Jojen Reed. It, is Am I right? Is that are those the same guys
1: that were fighting when Bran was in the season finale of season four? That certainly looked like that to me. The sort of army of darkness, evil dead kind of skeleton army that is coming up. I, I think that as we can see, the the real the the real White Walkers have the ability to raise the dead, and so those are just probably the dead of the North, people that are in graves, people that are buried that get raised uh, by these evil evil White Walkers and turned into malicious, just sort of army based like killing machines. I mean, that's what we're seeing out of these people. But it's weird because we did see some blue eyes on those on those crow. I'm sorry, on the wildlings that were raised here. So some of the White Walkers appear to have just piercing blue eyes and some of them are just skeletons. I guess that those are older ones who were raised up.
0: Is that the case? It's just like you like those people that came up at the end of the episode that those are the same things. And then just after a while, your skin just falls off and then you just become a skeleton
1: yeah maybe or or if you've been dead for a while and you're later raised, then you're a skeleton when you're raised. like it's one of those debates, like you know if, if if there's an afterlife, if I die, am I gonna look like I did when I die, or can I look however I want? I don't think the white walkers get that choice. I think that if you're raised up and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, you've been dead for five hundred years, you're just gonna be a skeleton, but you, lady who just put her kids on a boat, you're still gonna be kind of pretty because you just died at this age, so. And that seems to be what's in play with the White Walkers.
0: So why do some of them... So if you have eyes when you got raised up, your eyes become blue. But if you didn't have eyes before then, you just don't have eyes? That seems to be the
1: the logic of this so far. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's a good question. I'm going to look this up in my White Walker. Nope, I got nothing.
0: We got nothing. Okay. I got
1: nothing. I think that's probably it. I think that we saw at the end of that episode uh, a couple of seasons ago, we saw the baby get turned and we saw essentially... Ah, uh, that that really kind of uh, the council of White Walkers, if you will, essentially turned that baby by tapping it, and its eyes turned blue, and then it was essentially a baby White Walker. So we don't know one hundred percent how these things are being made, but I would think that the skeletons are just really old dead people that have been raised up. Okay, all
0: right, Antony, I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions, and then we'll we'll work on recapping all of this. But I'm still trying to catch my breath from this big major uh, twenty minutes of just it was like World War Z. It really was intense.
1: Yeah, like those whites were just like running, running and jumping fences and just trying to kill people for sure. Yeah, like on The Walking
0: Dead, which Josh and I podcast about, you know, it's not really that scary. You know, a lot of times there's just like a walker around and then people are like, "Okay, well, maybe I'll kill it. Maybe I won't. And really, the only time you ever die on The Walking Dead is if somehow like you're not paying attention. And then like a hundred, you open a door and like a hundred walkers like come out or they like sneak up behind you around a corner or something like that. Or somebody laid a trap and they all get you. But like it's not that scary. You know, you could just sort of just walk around. It's the people are scarier on that. These were terrifying.
1: Yeah. Your move, Walking Dead. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Like this, this is legitimately terrifying. They're just, not only are the whites like just kind of mindless killing machines, but then you've got the actual white walkers sitting up on top of the hill, just watching it all happen kind of silently. And then you've got them, you know, one, one guy jumps down on top of a building and Jon Snow has that gray face off, it's terrifying on every level because there's a stratus uh, of uh, you know there's a social stratus of different kinds of dead that are killing. It, it's really a nightmare. Uh, I was I was definitely scared. Yeah, these were Walking Dead zombies on Flocka <laughs> or Crocodile. Yeah, some <laughs> Flocka for sure. Like I'm surprised they weren't ripping their uh, their white clothes off. That's what happened. Nuts. That
0: they that's what, I think that explains things. And then that's why they ripped all the flesh off of their body. And that's why they you know ripped their eyes out and stuff like that because they were so high
1: but it's, it's ironic because flock, I guess makes you feel really hot and they're really cold because they're like living in ice world. No, so well, that's why
0: that's where you need to go because you're so hot. You're overheated. That's why you need to be so far no, up north.
1: You crack the code, man. George so. R. Martin, hang it up. We don't need <laughs> anything. Rob's got it.
0: We got it. Okay. The sword that John was fighting with the white Walker general. I'm not sure exact again, what, what the significance and rank was between some of these guys that seemed like he was a significant guy. The sword that John had that didn't break—what was the deal with that sword? That wasn't Dragon
1: Glass, right? No, that is Valyrian steel, and Valyrian steel is, has been seen on the show a few times. It, it you know, Valeria—we saw it. We saw Old Valeria in the ruins where Tyrion and Jorah were kind of sailing through, and we we heard about the doom, uh, the doom, the the backstory that I mean, it, it's it's sort of been discussed a little bit on, on the context of the show, but. The backstory of Valyria is it was this magic land where they learned how to harness all this power. And then all of a sudden, at some point, whatever power they were using to keep volcanoes and things in check all exploded and Valyria was just doomed in an instant. And that was a land of dragons. It was all this crazy stuff. So Valyrian steel is, is I guess, as we've now established, a really, really powerful uh, form of steel that can actually kill White Walkers, which we, I'm not sure we knew that um, before we had, we had some action with Valyrian steel throughout. Of course, Ned Stark's sword, uh, Ice, was yes. made out of Valyrian steel. We saw that get melted, uh, and Tywin turned that into two swords. Uh, one was given to Joffrey, uh, and and we don't know exactly what happened with that sword. And then jamie had the other one, and jamie gave it to Brienne. Uh, that's Oathkeeper. So we've got a few Valyrian steel swords out there. They certainly look they're going to come in pretty handy here.
0: Okay, so Valyrian steel does not shatter and can be used to kill the white walkers and as well as
1: dragonglass. Now the dragonglass, was that all the dragonglass they had? I sure hope not. Boy, <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't seem like the best plan in the world. Uh, Jon Snow was really just kind of throwing that stuff around. So, I, but I mean, I, I think we saw in this episode, hand to hand combat against these guys, certainly doesn't seem like the best solution. And for every person that you have that dies in battle, it's just another person for their army. Yeah. So I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not sure that even all the dragon glass in the world is going to bail these guys out. Okay.
0: So Jon Snow gets on a boat at the end of the episode. They, they just saved one boat for Jon Snow. It seemed like if people are like killing themselves, like life rafts off the Titanic to get into one of these boats, there just happened to be one boat that they saved to put aside for Jon Snow.
1: Yeah. Well, did you see the person that was running that boat? It was like a hooded figure. And I was like, wait a minute, who's the Yeah, man? That's why I said, Oh, who's
0: like, going to, this guy's going to take off his thing. And it's going to be another one of these white walkers.
1: Yeah, I thought that for sure. So maybe that, I don't know, maybe that maybe that person was, uh, maybe you pull that hood back and it's a giant cootie spot and uh, somebody's got grayscale. So everyone was afraid of that particular boat. I don't know. I it mean, it wasn't exactly like a Cadillac.
0: Have you ever tried to like save somebody's seat in like a crowded movie theater? What did that guy have to do to all the people that were trying to get into that boat?
1: Like I said, pull the hood back, cootie spot face. That's all I can think of. I mean, I don't know. You're right. It's, uh, Seats it's taken convenient for Jon Snow.
0: Yeah that worked out pretty well and it was just a uh, such a crazy such a crazy crazy night it was really hard to tell like who was who was fighting who and who was dying but there weren't that many other characters that we knew other than Tormund Giant's Bane you know that the woman that was there she would, we never saw her before right
1: no i don't i don't remember seeing her before she did look familiar but uh, i thought she looked a little bit like Stannis' wife actually yeah so once she put her kids
0: on the boat you figured she was probably dead She's dead.
1: Yeah. I mean, I turned to my brothers and I was like, yeah, that lady's going to die. And we were all on the same page there. Yeah. Okay. So now
0: John snow is on his way back to castle black with everybody with all these, uh, wildlings.
1: Yeah. I mean, that appears to be, he's, executed at least part of his plan because he got some of them away and he's bringing a giant back with him. So that's pretty cool.
0: Okay. And so how far are they from the wall? Like, is it imminent that the white walkers are now going to hit the wall?
1: I think that that seems to be, it's weird because I, was it at the end of season one or season two, right? Where we saw the white walkers marching (laughs) in the very near area to the wall. What have they been doing? Yeah. They seem
0: very fast in this episode, yet they are moving very slow.
1: Yeah, I I feel like they may be um, there may be a lot. Of, what we're not really sure of, right, is how much sentience is there. Like how much active thought is happening with the White Walker Council? Because maybe they're just amassing an army. They're picking off pockets of people here and there, raising the dead, and just waiting until they have so many people that literally nothing can overcome their army of the undead. Because obviously those whites, uh, the the skeletons and the undead, they were being killed. It looked like by arrows and swords and your standard issue it's the white walkers that are really tough and i'm not sure we have a great sense of exactly how many of those those white walkers there are i think there's at least 12 uh if we if we remember from that episode where they turned the baby but i don't know how many more of them there are so maybe you take out those that those core guys and then you've just got a bunch of zombies to deal with
0: Yeah. And it seems like they're not that far from Craster's Keep, which is what, like 65, 70 miles from the wall. So you would feel like it should not take that long for them to get to the wall if that's what they ultimately want to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, there there may be some active thought going on there uh, where they're really trying to plan out uh, exactly what they want to do. Uh, And maybe what they want to do is build a giant army as big as they can, taking off pockets of people and killing them and then bringing that army through. So they appear to be comfortable with just waiting and, and executing some specific attacks. I mean, they were turning people one by one from Craster's Keep, baby by baby. So this is a long-term strategy for sure. Right. And then the
0: Giant was fantastic tonight. Great job. Uh, he should get the fishy tonight, the, the Giant. He <laughs> was really, really great in this episode. I did think that the Giant was going to try to get in the boat with them.
1: Yeah, I that was a recipe for disaster, right? Like he puts one foot on the boat and stomps it, and everyone dies. Yeah, episode. No, 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 one, one, no, no, no. This is very bad. This is very bad. Giants don't go on boats. It's a thing. Yeah, but don't you think the giants could have get like given them a push then in the boat too? Maybe he did. I mean, it's funny because at the end of the episode, they show that that White Walker raising up the dead, right, and lifting his hands, and it's really pretty scary and pretty awesome. And you see this shot that shows that Jon Snow's boat is maybe like a baseball throw from the dock. And it, it's not very far at all. And the giant is not in the shot. So he is gone. So Jon Snow's boat is just kind of staring at this guy and the giant is pieced out. So he probably wants no part of this anymore. He's like, listen, I lit a giant log up on fire and provided a great blocking line for you guys to escape. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm not going to push your boat back.
0: Yeah. Oh man, it was just so crazy with everybody jumping in the water and uh, you know I, I really was uh, I thought people were going to be freezing to death in the water but that seemed like they were that that didn't really play into it. We didn't get like full Titanic
1: on this part. You did you like how Jon Snow was basically like come in the water. Yeah, you guys you don't have a you have a white walker navy? What's going on here? Yeah, are white walkers scared of the water? They must be. I mean, I don't know why. Maybe they would just turn the whole thing to ice or or I don't know, they can't they don't seem to be getting in the water. So maybe that's uh maybe that's a solution too maybe it's like a signs thing maybe you just uh, just <laughs> use a little water and we're good to go
0: see i also kind of thought that the people that all like froze to death trying to swim away were then also going to be white walkers and they were going to be in the water too oh white swimmers that's white, no good white swimmer yikes <laughs> anyway with uh, with that we'll see uh, what ultimately ends up happening but some uh definitely Jon Snow and the Night's King making eyes. Uh, what is the significance of that to you, Antonio? Uh,
1: they've clocked. They've certainly clocked each other. Like they, It's kind of that. Uh, I don't know. You know, There's so many different, uh, different possibilities here. I don't, we don't know exactly what. Uh, Jon Snow is a marked man. I'd say that for sure. I'd say that Jon Snow is not going to be forgotten. To the extent these White Walkers have memories, Jon Snow is remembered at this point because he led a lot of what was going on. He did kill one of their generals, if you will. And that was all observed. Uh, And so I don't think that'll be forgotten. I think if I'm Jon Snow, I'm in some trouble. Even though Sam Tarley said John always comes back. uh, I'm I'm a little worried about about our Jon Snow at this
0: point. Do you feel like it was that he was being, you know, targeted because he was the leader? Or do you think that going back to this idea is Jon Snow special where Melisandra has that conversation with him? I believe it's in the season premiere talks about how, you know, he, that there's something special about him. Is it that or do you think it's just that he's the leader of the Night's
1: Watch? I think it's a very good question. I think that I think that that will be the debate about about that particular moment and about Jon Snow in general, because Melisandra, as you and Josh were observing, she hasn't exactly always been right or always been great. She hasn't totally done much. So she, when she's telling Stannis, let's kill your daughter, it's not the most persuasive thing. But on the other hand, she does see something in Jon Snow, and we don't 100% know uh, what that is. And there's been a lot of hints, a lot of debate online about it. Uh, there's a lot of debate about you know whether Jon Snow really is Ned Stark's son or if he's the son of someone different, uh, wh- where his parents lie. So. If he does have some crazy backstory that we'll find out at some point, that absolutely could be playing in here uh, with the White Walker targeting for sure.
0: Okay. Anything else from this whole sequence uh, with the walkers and with the people and the wildlings and trying to convince them? You surprised Tormund lived? Uh, A little bit. I was like, well, he could definitely die. He could definitely die here and i felt like maybe it was possible that tormund Giants Bane does die but
1: you know he made it he made it did he i mean did he kill the 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 rattle shirt, the lord <laughs> of bones there did that did he just beat him down with his own staff did that happen
0: yeah i felt like that, that lord of bones is not dead
1: well that, yeah, but, that, about, but he's probably is dead now
0: so he wasn't dead then
1: but now i think he is literally the lord of bones i think but now he's undead because if he was dead then he's undead (laughs) so he's not dead again right yes now he's mostly dead yes does he
0: still wear the bone mask as one of the walkers Uh, as one of the whites
1: now that's fantastic (laughs) yeah he's like i don't have to wear that mask anymore this is so freeing i feel amazing i'm like mad max
0: yeah. Am I being too hard on the episode? I felt like there were there were two slow points in this episode. I felt like the stuff with John trying to debate all of the wildlings, I felt like that was slow. Uh, and then uh, there's another part in the episode that I also thought was was slow. Am I being too hard on this?
1: No, I mean, I, I think that part with John and the wildlings, it was sort of a fate accompli, right? It was like, some of you are going to come with John. Some of you aren't. We already know that that's going to happen. And it, it seemed like not, you don't want the Thens to come with you anyway. So I don't know why you're trying so hard to convince the worst people that they're the ones that need to come. So good on the fence for not coming. That's actually a benefit for Jon Snow. And yeah, that that debate and that that whole scene, there was a little bit of uh, talky-talky going on there. But it, it didn't, I mean, it, I think it, it dragged a little bit. But in terms of paying off what we got after that, totally worth it.
0: Okay. Our other top story, any other night, this would be the top story. Danny and Tyrion are together and
1: seemingly gonna work together. Yeah, gangbusters hitting it off. Like these two guys, uh, they're insulting each other's parentage and each other and their siblings, and it's all it's all going real smashingly well. You take Sir Jorah out of the picture, and Danny and Tyrion are just perfect together.
0: Yeah, and we find out that Danny's master plan is she doesn't wanna just stop the wheel. She wants to break the wheel. And then once she breaks the wheel, Westeros will no longer be able to move around through time and space,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then, then Westeros can finally be located. We can place it on a map uh, and, and we don't have to worry about any of that frozen stuff anymore. That's fantastic. We're good to go. No more polar bears.
0: Good, good. But in all seriousness,
1: so Danny wants to break the wheel. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I, that whole scene was phenomenal. Like I, one of the best scenes, in my opinion, of the series, uh, certainly of the season, uh, just that conversation between Danny and Tyrion. Like you said, we've been wanting it for a really long time. There was a great back and forth between the two of them. Like I said, just sort of insulting their parentage without really meaning to, both recognizing that they have kind of a dark background and they could be seen as, as bad people, but maybe not as bad as everyone else in this world. And I think that that was all really, really awesome. Just a great, great scene. Uh, And I think Danny sort of coming into her own a little bit. Yeah, she needs help, right? She needs advice. But this is Danny, like really stepping up and saying, I know what I want, which we haven't really heard from her in a pretty long time. So it's really refreshing to hear
0: that. Although, oddly enough, I felt like the advice that she was getting from Tyrion was basically him saying like, yeah, you're doing a lot of things right. I think you're doing a lot of good things.
1: Like, did he have any major policy thing that he disagreed with her on? No, I mean, he was he was doing, I think, what what I think a really good advisor does. She doesn't need a yes, man, Antonio. She doesn't need a yes, man. He's sort of teasing things out of her. He's basically saying, like, you're doing a real he was he was almost playing devil's advocate to what she wanted to do, which is just leave and go rule Westeros. And he was saying, you won't have any support from the rich. You can rule the poor, but you can't rule without the rich. Look how that's worked out for you in like you have, It hasn't been very easy. And that's assuming that the poor rally around you, which is no guarantee. And then you've got all these houses. Maybe you can get the Tyrells, but that's not enough. Like He is pushing back at her, but he's, he's teasing it out so that she knows exactly what she's up against. And I think that's really much better than being totally oppositional, totally defiant, telling her that she's wrong. I think that he can stroke her ego a little bit and tell her she's done good things and say good things about her because she's more likely to have an actual productive conversation with Tyrion's a smart guy.
0: Yeah. I just really like the whole like backroom dealing of like them just like having wine and like talking about things. It was really good. It's like, you know, my, your dad and my dad were friends and then my brother killed your dad. It's like they had so much to catch up on.
1: Yeah, that was really good. And they, and I thought that we got some really good kind of, um, discussion of Varys here. I know you're a big Varys guy, Rob. Yeah, And I know there was a lot of debate. Criminally underused this season. this season, Antonio. Criminally underused. We need more Varys. And I'm, I'm happy to have him in abstentia, just being talked about. Like That's really something that tells me that there's something more in store for Varys here, and he's going to pop up again. So I appreciated the Varys talk there. And I think it filled in some blanks. People were a little critical earlier this season about, well, if Varys is really on Danny's side, Why did he try to have her poisoned earlier on? And Tyrion's kind of making that argument uh, against the point where he's basically saying, I'm sure Varys did whatever he needed to do to survive, but I'm pretty sure he always was looking out for you specifically. And so I I don't know where we are in that debate, but it was really nice to hear about Varys and have them talking about him because I I, I like to think that his story is not finished here.
0: We hope not. We hope not. But the person who's getting some of the rawest deals of all raw deals this season is probably Sir Jorah.
1: Yeah, he's really, I mean, he's kind of down on his luck, right? hes He's got the cootie spot. It, it looks like it might be getting a little bigger. He's it's getting worse. He's spreading. Like it's spreading. getting worse. He's not looking up for Ser Jorah, is it? Now he's where he's in a fighting pit. Like, just what he just wants to fight in front of Daenerys. Like, how sad is that?
0: Yeah. No, he really has become, you know, borderline, like, Stalkerish, you know he really needs she needs a restraining order she might just need to kill him and just put him out of his misery at some point i just
1: just want her to see me i just want her to see me fighting maybe maybe then maybe finally then i mean i don't understand like what did you think he has a greater plan here or is it really just that pathetic
0: no it's pathetic yeah it's pathetic and he has no plan
1: he has no plan he just wants to Wants the queen to see him fighting. I yep. really feel like that's it. It's really sad.
0: Did you feel like Tyrion did Ser Jorah dirty in, you know, Sir Jorah, even though he captured him, like I felt like Tyrion and Sir Jorah had a bromance and then Tyrion's sort of like, yeah, you pro, you know, don't kill him, but you know, he's got to go.
1: It's interesting because if Sir Jorah's goal is truly to see Danny be a great ruler and a great queen, then I feel like what Tyrion did is actually in furtherance of that goal. Because I think by not just saying, you got to spare him, you got to have him by your side, Tyrion sort of, he, he sort of capitulated to Danny a little bit by, by backing what she wanted to do, which is not have anything to do with Jorah. Then she trusted him a little bit more. And so ultimately, by throwing Jorah under the bus, I think Tyrion got in closer with Danny. And if that enables Tyrion to help Danny be a great queen, and that's all Jorah wanted, then I guess it's okay that Jorah got sent away. He did spare his life, like you said which is no small matter either. So ultimately he did throw him under the bus, but I think that it was for the the, the greater good, not just for Tyrion.
0: Okay. So many other things uh, going on tonight. Um, I think this is also another big one that I hope we don't uh, overlook. Sansa. I know you're a big Sansa guy, Antonio. Sansa yeah. finds out that Bran and Rickon are
1: alive, even though they're not in season five. <laughs> <laughs> not that we've, not that we've. I mean, maybe, maybe we don't
0: have maybe. proof they're still alive, but it's, yeah, trust us, they're out there.
1: Was that Rick on paddling the boat? Maybe that was Gendry paddling the boat. That that got John. Is oh,
0: that where the boat landed? That he went from Dragonstone <laughs> all the way up to Hardhome. That's it. That's why he had the
1: hood on, Rob. that has to be <laughs> <It's> it. cold. <laughs> it has to be it. He's just his arms are gigantic because he's been paddling for three seasons. This is fantastic. Yeah. I I mean, I loved it with Sansa tonight. I, I, we still don't really, I, she seems to be breaking Theon like move by move by continually calling him Theon by reminding him that he isn't as bad of a person as she might think he is by reminding him that he's done some bad things. Sure. But she might actually have room to help him and to befriend him and to save him. And if she can forgive him, then maybe just maybe Theon will come back. Like, I don't know if we, we, we talked about this, like, if if watching what happened to Sansa doesn't turn Theon, if the next week Theon is diming that old woman out and getting her flayed and seeing that doesn't turn Theon, maybe it's just going to be this sort of gradual unraveling of Reek by, by bringing Theon back into the mix. And so this is a really important scene uh, for that reason. Sansa knowing that Rickon and Bran are alive, I don't think it really does anything. But Theon admitting that he didn't kill them and actually exposing that to Sansa and talking as Theon, I think that's a big move. I think that's a big deal.
0: See, I'm surprised that you're underselling Sansa finding out about Bran and Rickon because I feel like it's the first time any Stark has gotten good news in five seasons of the show.
1: That is true, but I, I feel like it's just the waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> She's going to find out they're alive so that when they die, it hurts her even more. Okay, <laughs> so it's like uh, Good news, they're not dead. They're not dead. Oh my God. And then it's like, oh, we just found out he died. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. We, here's body he is he's a white he was just killed at a hard home so it's it's really sad what happened
0: yeah so the door is open for a potential stark reunion
1: yeah i mean think about it this way put it in the in the same context as santa finding out from Ramsey last week that john snow is the lord commander of the night's watch she's getting some decent news about her family here uh it's not going to bring catelyn stark back it's not going to bring ned back but she's getting some good stark news here and lord knows she needs a little bit of good news
0: yeah I would be so pumped up for any Stark reunion.
1: I really yeah, would I mean, be. But Sansa and Arya really weren't uh, on good terms when they left. So would you, I mean, uh, 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 them coming back together, is that all going to change everything if they ever did? Mm, I think so. I think, look, after every, like, <laughs> just both of
0: them would be like, sit down. You're not going to believe what happened to me. Oh, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Uh, it's going to take them like six years to catch up on all of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's true. That is true. And Arya, has her own thing going on here now. She may not even be Arya the next time if they come back together. So she might have forgotten who Arya is or she may have totally left all that behind. So that one might be a bittersweet reunion as it is.
0: Great. Good segue into what's going on with Arya who is taking on another persona and she is a woman. She is selling oysters
1: and she is now an assassin for the many-faced god. Yeah, that, I mean, that seems to be what's happened. And we saw this with uh, with Jake and Hagar a couple of weeks ago when they were in the, the Hall of Faces there, when he basically said, like, you're not ready to become no one, but you're ready to become someone else. And he he obviously has a guy that, that they want to kill, uh, this man who, the thin man, uh, who appears to be a gambler who takes out bets as to whether ship captains will survive or die, and then maybe does or doesn't pay off those bets when they come in. Yeah, Anthony, um, I was very confu-
0: confused about this. Yeah, so, let's talk about yeah, so this. So, let's, let's, let's just talk about this. So, so, this guy, so people like with like a death wish, like they make a bet with this guy and they say, Hey, I bet you my ship doesn't come home. And the guy says, Well, I bet it does. And then you say, Okay, well, I bet you, you know, 1,000 dragons that I don't come back. And he says, All right, deal. And then when, then when he just takes their money and then when the person dies, he just doesn't pay out their family.
1: Yeah, think, bit, think about it like a uh, like an insurance policy, right? Like he's selling them an insurance policy. If you if you come home and you're alive and that's the bet we took out, you're going to owe me money. But if you come home, if you don't come home and you're dead, then I'll pay your family off uh, as a result of you winning that bet uh, that you aren't going to live. And so it's a little bit of an insurance policy, a little way to mayhem, I guess, to, to get yeah to get yeah. Sometimes mayhem strikes though, and he doesn't pay. Right? That's that's a problem. We need Dennis Haysburg, We need President Palmer here, Rob.
0: When, when a gambler takes your money, then you, there's only one place to turn. (laughs) The the many faced God. Yes. Yes. Oh my, oh my goodness. And uh, yeah, I think he got grayscale at the end of season three of 24. So he did uh, season two, I think.
1: Yeah. That did happen.
0: Yeah. But he got better. He got, he got better. So now Ari is on a mission now to go kill this guy.
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like she's on a recon mission right now. He's basically saying, like, you got to find out everything that you can find out about this guy. And then when you're done with that, then, yeah, then you can give him a little bit of poison here.
0: Okay, so I was a little confused about the whole Arya thing. So was she like just like going on like some sort of like out of body meditation of going to be the woman who sells the oysters and then can go and see like through some sort of like astral projection that she can go and see what's happening, whether it's a green dream or whatever you want to call it, or is she actually going out during the day and doing that? And then she's recalling from memory what's going on.
1: I think it's the latter. I I got the impression that some time had passed and she had started developing this routine and this identity uh, and that she was, she was recounting what had been happening. Uh, to Jake and Hagar, and he was kind of slapping her when she was misremembering details because she has to be super disciplined, hyper-vigilant, like ready to to drop the hammer at a moment's notice and always aware of what's going on around her. So she had developed So she So really, she's going out and selling oysters during the day? I think that's what's been happening. She's got like right. an oyster business? Where does she put the oyster card at nighttime? Uh, she's probably got somewhere to put it. Maybe she puts it uh, down in that room with all those heads in it. <laughs> Maybe she puts it in the water in the but middle of the But it smells room, great
0: man. down there with all the heads yeah. and oysters.
1: Yeah, and exactly. yeah. Like, That's a place. Yeah, exactly. you could uh, you could just cover that right up. No problem. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, she just stows it in the corner of the corpse room. It's fine. Wow. I don't know. Uh maybe she maybe she just uh maybe she's got a little she's got a little uh stall somewhere she can keep it. I like the idea that she's developed a backstory. This is very kind of Jason Bourne. Or, you know, she's got essentially a second identity that she's built up and she knows the story and she knows the details. And he actually tells her, like, I like this flourish. And maybe she's not been doing that every day, right? Maybe she is making all that up and he's working with her on developing the story. But I do think the moment where she goes to the harbor and sells the oysters is real. Like, that is not a made up moment where she sells the oyster to the thin man and he's like, oh, four oysters with vinegar or whatever. I believe that actually happens uh, because I, I think that that's something where we're going to see that that built on and we're going to see that grow out. But some of those details they might be totally made up as part of her story that are that are a flourish and he's impressed with her.
0: I'm definitely not saying that that you're wrong. I'm saying that like from how I got that, like I I felt like they were doing some sort of like you know meditation together and that she was having some sort of out of body experience. And that was sort of why, like, why he was saying, was like, well, can I see it?" And she's like, "Well, I, you know, I don't know what the girl sees." And was talking about like what what she sees and doesn't see. I have it was unclear.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I can I can tell you that uh, I know what the deal is from the books, uh, and I I don't know that what the show's goal here is. I think it's a little more a little murkier than I think the the books have a harder time, obviously, because they can't say two people sit in a room and this is an out of body experience. Because your, your books are, your chapters are from a character. So in the book, point. Aria has a day job and she's selling oysters. She becomes the cat of the canals. Yeah. So she's kind of just wandering around the canals and really getting the, the kind of feel for everything that's Believe going on. that up. would make a lot more sense. Yeah. But I agree. This, this particular episode didn't make it very clear that what she was recounting had been happening for, I mean, my point is how much time truly passes. Because has she been doing this for days, for weeks, like what's going on here? such that she's recounting her daily activities uh, to Jake and Hagar. And he's kind of saying, no, nope, that didn't happen. Or I don't think that's right. Like, so I don't know where she is in, in that, in that scope, but I definitely think the scene where she feeds the guys, the oyster, the guy, the guy, the oysters did happen.
0: Okay. So let's and more on that coming uh, next week. Seemingly, um, we were talking about Sansa, but we did left out the part about this Bolton plan where, Roose Bolton says, OK, we got a good thing going on here. We got Winterfell. They're going to try to attack us. It's snowing. By the way, how is the weather worse, at, you know, in Winterfell and in the north than it is at Hardhome? Is this just a localized winter that's
1: happening there? It seems like it, although the wildling camo was in full effect, man. They all had their uh, their kind of snow covered suits on. So. Yeah, who outfits the wildlings? It's a good well, it's a good question. So they've got a really nice uh they've got a really nice camo designer there. Yeah, somebody's Hopefully just they didn't die in that battle cuz that that's a, that's a real loss for sure.
0: Yeah, the Wildlings are like, "You know, we are the free folk. We do whatever we want, but we're all going to wear the same uniform." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're we got a good uniformed look here. Let's all get this get this in the same jacket here. There's only one jacket they make and we well, let's all wear it.
1: Nothing says freedom like school uniforms, right? <laughs> Yeah. The mark of a free society for sure. Okay. (laughs) But so Ramsey has a different plan. He says,
0: no, no, no. We don't want to wait for status. That's boring. Give me 20 good men. Let me go out there.
1: That feels like a pretty typical Ramsey plan, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, let me just be a badass and let me just figure this out. I'm going to just kind of be a hero kind of guy and do something incredibly crazy. I don't know. What do you think his plan is? I mean, is he going to just ride out there with 20 guys and take them all down. I a, don't know, but I think if I'm Bruce
0: party? Bolton, I think I'm like Ramsey. I love this plan. This is the, this now we're talking. This is the best plan I've heard in a while because uh, you need to go out there. You're right. Go out there with 20 guys and go, go uh, see how Stannis is doing in this winter.
1: Yeah. It's really a no lose situation. for <laughs> Bruce Bolton, Right? Yeah. Like if Ramsey goes out there and he just ransacks that Stannis army. Great. If Ramsey goes out there and he dies and only loses 20 guys in the process, perfect. Right. I can still sit here. Yeah. It's like, hey, you forgot Reek. Don't forget Reek. Reek should go too. <laughs> Take Reek with you. <laughs> yeah, no, that guy, I don't want that guy in here anymore. Like he's a really weird dude. I don't like him. <laughs> we don't, not
0: here. Nobody likes Reek. He
1: literally reeks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh let's talk about Cersei. Oh, like I feel like uh, any of these stories uh really could be, you know, you could lead with any of these uh, Cersei is in prison and we've seen a, what a turnaround for her to go from Queen of the Seven Kingdoms to now just like drinking water off the ground.
1: Yeah, uh, this is this is great acting, right? Like it's just so fantastic work here uh, by Lena Haiti because the smirk that she is so famous for is almost wiped completely off of her face. Yeah. And that, that, to, to see that gone from Cersei and to see her so quickly really powerful stuff like really fantastic work here and just a great series of scenes with the Septa and the way they're shot kind of the Septa shot from below so she seems iconic and just like this horrible giant you know tormentor and withholding water from her to try to coerce a confession it's all really really dirty stuff and Cersei is suffering I don't know if this is enough suffering for the Cersei haters out there but she's clearly not doing well not enough I don't think
0: yeah cuz she doesn't seem like contrite about like what she did. She's not like saying she's sorry or anything like that. She won't confess. She's still telling the woman that she's going to do bad things to her or she's trying to bribe her. She doesn't seem like, "Uh yeah, oh my god, yeah right. Alright, I did some terrible things." She won't consider confessing, and it's ironic that she's in the same situation that Tyrion was in last season.
1: Yeah, that's really it's really a good point, and I really did like how there were three separate scenes here and they seem to build on one another. In that first scene, she really was giving it back to the Septa and yelling at her and just really snapping in her face. And as soon as the Septa walked out, she kind of cracked, right? And she started crying. Yeah. And then in the second scene, uh, your boy Master Kyburn comes in and he's bringing some some kind of interesting news. And Uncle Kevin is back in the picture.
0: I was disappointed by Kyburn. Uh, I said, okay, here we go. Kyburn, what's he going to do? He's got a reanimated mountain that's going to come in and sort of like Hulk smash the prison open. I figure we got something good.
1: And he was just sort of like, eh, I think you should confess. Yeah, this is not the Kyburn we know. Like yeah. He's not looking. He's taking the very standard route here. And I think that that lame Kyburn Lame Kyburn is right. I think that that's probably telling us, I think that's probably telling us, though, how how bad a situation Cersei's really in. She armed and and really empowered people that she probably shouldn't have. And she said, I've made these people. Well, you've created a monster. And unfortunately, the monster that you've created is more powerful than the monster you're asking Kyburn to create. And, and that, that's a pretty tough thing to, to stomach, for sure. That scene's not easy for her. And then the next scene is the scene where the water's poured on the ground and she literally licks the ground for water. And that is like the bottom of Cersei for sure. Like that, we have not seen anything close to that. Uh, in terms of Cersei, she's always been so on top of everything that this is really, really a low moment for sure. Very
0: low moment. Uh, how do you think Marjorie's doing?
1: I, <laughs> if she only, if she only knew if she, but knew everything that's happening with Cersei, she'd be on cloud at nine. But, uh, She's probably in a very similar position. I don't think that we don't get any sense that they've confessed either. So I don't know that. I don't know exactly how hard they're driving the stake there. She's not facing the same crimes that Cersei's facing. Did you hear that list of charges, Rob? The long list. It's a very long list. Incest and and regicide and uh, fornication, which is, I mean, I'm surprised that that's criminal. Uh, Just all the things that she's being charged. Treason. Like these are some pretty high crimes for sure. And I think that we already had the sort of Chekhov's, uh, Chekhov's mother's mercy introduced in a previous episode where we do think maybe if there's a confession that, she's not, that it's not going to be death for her. But Lord knows what the punishment will be. It'll be pretty rough, I have a feeling, if she does confess.
0: Yeah. And kyburn uh, was not great. We find out that Tommen doesn't want to
1: come and see her. What's Tommen's deal? He's just too sad? He's in his chamber, just uh, thrown alone. I don't know what's happening up there, man. You tell me. <laughs> he needs to get out. Is that There's burglars trying to come into the Red Keep. There's. I don't exactly know uh, what he's doing in that room. He could be trying to set another record like you and Josh speculated. He could be just totally just in a, in a sad pit of despair because of what happened with Mommy and Marjorie uh, with no Sir Pounce. I mean, maybe he's just up there uh, with the comfort of Sir Pounce and that's it. He doesn't seem to be eating. I don't know. Tommen is uh, in pretty rough shape, apparently. Yeah, uh, but that's that's from that is from Kyburn. Lord knows, Tommen might be out partying. Like we really we're getting a very biased viewpoint there when he comes in the door with an agenda. Uh, and so maybe Tommen is is doing okay. Maybe this is not true. What Kyburn has said, we got to consider. We might have an unreliable narrator.
0: We also had tonight, we checked in with Sam and Gilly, and uh, I did feel like this was uh, my award for worst scene of the night. Uh, Sam and Gilly, and hold on, stop everything that's happening on Game of Thrones. Sam has to talk Ollie off the ledge here.
1: Yeah, main character, Ali. Sam has to really talk him down.
0: Where do you you get off, Ali? First off, you're a nothing, nobody character that nobody cares about. I wish the Thens would have taken you out way back when you did one good thing during the Watchers on the Wall, when you killed somebody that was going to kill John or Sam or one of those guys, and then... Who are you to second guess the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, Ollie? That is, they should uh, kick Ollie out. That's it. Yeah. That's wow, done. That was
1: great. That was a very. You're reverse. done, Ollie. Yeah, that was. That was. If only Samwell Tarly had the confidence of Rob Sesternino, we would be set.
0: Ollie, we gotta spend. We we got how many minutes of Game of Thrones a year? We got ten episodes. We're gonna spend five <laughs> minutes
1: on Ollie. But do you think John's doing the right thing though? Because, um, uh, you know, oh God, and, 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 but yes, he is. He's, he's definitely doing the right Come thing. on, John always does the right thing. Yeah. It's pathetic. Like, I don't know. I don't know this Ali, this Ali guy. I'm not, a, am not, I'm not liking where Ali is, is kind of headed. I don't, I don't understand why he's, he's so upset. And what did Sam say to him at the end there? He said, sometimes you have to make a choice that is wrong for others, but you know, it's right in the long run. Stop. And I like, do you really believe that? Oh my gosh.
0: Stop yeah, it, Ollie. Probably. We could have had Grey Worm and Masande make out for five minutes. Uh, give me that over uh, over. Ollie's gonna second guess what's going on at the Night's Watch.
1: Uh, I, Rob, I think Ollie's gonna be the one thousandth one thousandth commander of the Night's Watch <laughs> by the end of the show. Ollie's gonna rise to that level, and you're gonna be wondering why you ever criticized this characterization.
0: Yeah, try not to worry, Ollie. Yeah, try try not to talk, Ollie. Stop <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, worse siffle when you need him. Stop it. Oh my god. Terrible, terrible. That was the oh. low point of the night. And here comes, bring on the the hate the hate comments of my distaste for Ollie. I, I was fine on Ollie. I was agnostic on Ollie. I'm out on Ollie.
1: Steve Davis in the chat room says, "Does Ollie have a competing yes. podcast? Where is this rage coming from?" <laughs> Zero earbuds for Ollie. Will Northrop says in the chat room. <laughs> Sorry,
0: I'm sorry, everybody, but that was too much, too much with Ollie. All right.
1: Yeah, you're going, you're going ham. That's what, uh, that's what this sound Alfred says. Ham is like the opposite of Sam, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and who watches the baby when, uh, you know, Gilly is hanging out with Sam? Is there babysitting at the night's watch? Like who, is, who, who is the person that, that is qualified to watch the baby? Other, other than uh, one of oh, the dire Wolves, who watches the baby?
1: Gilly's like I'm going to go check on on little Sam, uh, on on baby Sam, and it, maybe she just leaves him in that larder where where she hid with Jano's slit. Like he's just in there with all the food.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. All right, Antonio, are you ready for some questions? I
1: I can't wait, man. Okay. Uh, was there anything else from tonight? No. No. We I think we covered every single second of this episode. <laughs> I I I just want to know: Is this the best episode of the season yes. so far? I think so. Yes, too. and it's not I close. Think so. I think so too. I agree. Yeah. Not close. Not close. No, this was great. Okay.
0: Except for Ollie. Okay. Uh, for Ollie. This <laughs> is uh from <laughs> Mama's Love 77 says uh Wildling Princess more new characters uh show me Gendry Blackfish Edmund and Benjen. Okay. Uh don't oh, be Wildling don't be holding Prince. your breath for uh Benjen Stark uh <laughs> I don't think <laughs> we're picking that thread up <laughs> anytime soon.
1: No, and Wildling Princess, I think, is no more. Uh, she's undead again. So I don't think we have to worry about Wildling Princess anymore. Yeah, we don't have to worry about them. Okay. How about this one, Rob, from Tom DePlank? Uh, I'll never trust a man in black. Good advice, says Jacob. Game of Thrones. Yeah, so once
0: I you get that those. that wheel to stop, then don't trust the man in black.
1: Yeah, that's I think that's really good uh, linear advice there, Rob. <laughs>
0: That's good. All right, this is from Alexander, who says, Were you annoyed how long it took for Jon Snow to want to break out the dragonglass?
1: Yeah. The first thing I'm thinking is where's the dragonglass? Like literally the very first thing I'm thinking, but look, I'm not in that room. I'm not in that battle. I'm not in the middle of that. So I I can't be annoyed by Jon Snow worrying about his life the whole time. Not for anything. Yeah. Is the dragonglass making that big of a difference in that battle? I I don't think so. (laughs) You got,
0: you know, 2000 (laughs) like Walkers on white walkers on Flocka going crazy, like, uh, like, are uh, you're the ah, 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 ah. yeah, like, uh, yeah, dragon glass?
1: Yeah,
0: we have my dragon glass dagger running
1: around. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah unless you have dagger.
0: right, uh, unless you have a dragon glass machine gun, you know, it's not making a difference.
1: <laughs> dragon glass bullets, yeah, some sort of think dragon, dragon glass bullets takes out walker Flocka
0: Yes, I think you need me if you had like some sort of like dragonglass napalm or something like that. Maybe that could be an effective thing or, but I don't know.
1: Just like a, like an obsidian, like a bomb, like a, just an obsidian atom bomb. Yeah. Some maybe. (laughs) Yeah. No, we're coming. We have 4,000 undead. We have 12 knives. It's fine.
0: (laughs) It's fine. We're going to stop them
1: with these 12 knives. It'll be all right.
0: All right. This is from uh, Papa Woody, Antonio. What does he have to
1: say? Papa Woody says, so will mountain stein's monster do trial by combat for cersei will bran warg into that giant will Tyrion, john and danny ride three dragons and flame on the white walkers real feel free to speculate on any of these
0: uh will so one one two and three uh will mountain stein's monster do trial by combat uh that's no uh i don't think we're
1: gonna see a trial by combat for cersei again we're gonna do it again well, I don't know, Ken, I'm not even sure. I'm hey, I'm a lawyer, but I'm not licensed in Westeros. I'm not even sure she can demand a trial by combat from the faith militant. I think that there are different rules in play. Um, she's already talked a little bit about the procedure, like the there'll be seven septons that sit in judgment and the high sparrow will be one of them. I'm not sure if you can beg off with trial by combat from when you're on trial for at, at the church. I don't know if we can do that. I'm gonna be Brandon? honest.
0: Uh, Not looking forward to another Game of Thrones trial. I felt like we did it last season. It was great. Not looking forward to the specter of a second Game of Thrones protracted trial. You don't
1: like courtroom dramas, do you, Rob?
0: It's fine. It's fine. And, you know, I I actually I just listened to in in a, a storm of swords, the chapter where Tyrion goes through the trial and it's great in the book and it was great on the show, but I don't need another trial. Been there, done that. We're good. We're
1: good. What about Bran warging into the giant? That's not happening either. Not powerful enough? The giant is just
0: good enough. The giant it. is drowned uh, as far as I'm going to... Unless the the giant is going to swim all the way to the wall. The giant is dead.
1: I I, I want to see 1-1 one, one at the wall. I want to see this happen. I want to see the giant still alive. I have free 1-1. One, one. Let's see it happen. And
0: then the last one about are Tyrion, Danny, and Jon Snow going to ride dragons or uh, maybe? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've that talked most about likely the, dragon, the three. Yeah, Dragon Glass is not going to stop these guys. I mean, it does seem to me like you might need actual dragons here, but so far from what we've seen with the dragons, I I don't think anybody's riding any of them.
0: Okay. All right, let's take another question, Antonio, from Alexandra. Uh, are we assuming that white walkers can't swim?
1: Yeah, walkers are right there in their name. They're not called white swimmers. That's right. <laughs> well, well said. <set. laughs> yeah, white swimmers are something different. That's yes. how we all can we'll
0: leave, leave that. <laughs> leave that alone.
1: All right, KDD wants to know, KDD is at Muffin, that sucks, by the way. I didn't understand Jorah's deal with the slaver and why he went back.
0: Yeah, could you explain that? So what was going on? So the slavery is outlawed, and but you get paid a dollar or a dragon to be a slave then?
1: Yeah, that was kind of the nominal fee that the guy was throwing people to be like, yeah, you're not my slaves. Here's a dollar I'm paying you now, but you still have to do what I'm telling you. Uh, and Jorah was like, I don't want your nominal fee. I'll I'll do whatever you want me to do, but you have to let me fight in front of that queen. And as to why he did that, I think, Rob, you and I talked about that. It just seems kind of pathetic. It's like <laughs> it's like the Westeros version of holding a, a boombox over your head yes. outside someone's <laughs> bedroom window. What does it play? I, what, I'm the Reigns of Casimir
0: or the Bear and the Maiden Fair?
1: <laughs> it's like a sad, like a dirge <laughs> version of the Bear and the Maiden Fair. Because that is the bear, Sir Jora is the bear. That's oh, like the and, she's the, and she's the maiden fair. It's perfect. The maiden fair. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh, wow. that's really great. It's just a sad, sad version of it, though. <laughs> so
0: George R. R. Martin really set that one up <laughs> way in advance. He's really been laying the track for the ultimate uh, Sir Jora bear and the maiden fair serenade to win back yes. Annie.
1: Yeah. yeah, Sir Jora. Anything that's happening. Yeah, I mean he's more of a gray bear now at this point. Also, <laughs> ra gray bear. Yeah.
0: Okay, Tom the Plank says, uh, with an army of undead on the way, the Seven Kingdoms need a strong ruler, right? Good thing it's Tommen.
1: <laughs> yep, good thing we got old Tommen in place. Tommen is uh, just sir pouncing it up, thrown alone, <laughs> not even eating the pizza they're delivering. Like, right. This is a bad deal for Tommen.
0: So thrown alone to uh, Lost in the North, so now this is when now uh, Tommen goes up to Winterfell and now like or the Wall and the White Walkers come and now he has to lay down a bunch of traps of like dragon glass like to stop yeah. the White Walkers.
1: Yeah, like put like a dragon a dragon glass dagger on a giant <laughs> rope and then when they come in the gate, just swing the rope down and it sticks in one of their faces. Yeah,
0: I think that's I pretty like, good.
1: I like it. Paint can paint can full of dragon glass. Yep, this is good. I
0: think that's good. All right, uh, then uh, from It's Really says, uh, can you please go over the rules again of becoming a White Walker? Obviously, it's different than Walking Dead rules, but do scratches turn them and only die from dragonglass and apparently from John's sword?
1: Yeah, so what it seems like, and I don't know if we can verify this, we'd have to look at every single person that died in the show. But Jon Snow seems to believe that if you die and are not burned, then you will turn and come back to life. Uh, and uh, that seems to be the walking dead rules. Am I right on that? If you die of natural causes, then you can still come back to life as a zombie. So they have, yes, to. They have to I, I you. believe
0: so. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I don't know that that's been truly established. On, who on died the in the
0: first season that came back
1: in the first season of the walking dead.
0: Oh, no, I'm sorry. I think you're talking about game of Thrones.
1: Well, I think there were some Rangers that died uh, outside the wall and then they came back. Uh, and I think that that was what they were worried about is that these Rangers had died yeah. uh, in battle or died a, a normal death or died. From the White Walkers, and then they came back to life. So maybe the White Walkers have to actually kill you.
0: Yeah. On The uh, Walking Dead, it's actually gotten really, uh, really crazy that, you know, since the second season, any person that dies just becomes a you could die from, you could have a heart attack, and then, and then, you know, five minutes later, you wake up and you're a zombie.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, see, that's not good. That's not good. You don't want that. The virus is
0: everywhere, Antonio. But that's
1: it. That's, I mean, that is the virus. And I don't think that's where we're at with, uh, with a game of Thrones, but I do think that if a white Walker kills you, then I think that you can be brought back to life as a, as a sort of living dead white Walker. Uh, but in that case, you're just a white W I G H T. You're just kind of this zombie uh, that the white walkers have created. We saw that happening on tonight's episode. We saw Whoever he is, like like the cock of the walk, Nightwalker or White Walker, come to the edge of the dock and just raise his hands up, and then everybody who was killed came back to life as whites. Uh, and that's really uh, what you have to worry about. I got to th- I got to think And so I don't think a scratch turns you. I don't think it's like that. I don't think that that's more of your cootie spot. That's more your grayscale. I think you can get that from being touched by a stone man. If a White Walker touches you, you don't become a White Walker. You don't have to worry about that. But if one kills you. I think you can become a white and I think that they can turn people by, by, you know, by killing them. Uh, like we saw with the baby. I think that that happened. Okay.
0: Then Elizabeth says, uh, did you feel any sympathy for Cersei? withholding water to coerce confession is not cool. Antonio.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Like you, that is torture. I mean, withholding water to coerce to coerce a confession is really, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, don't know the Westerosi constitution, but, uh, That's not a good deal at all. And that's absolutely what's happening. And I I mean, if that was for goodness, I don't, I didn't see a Cersei that was ready to confess in this episode. So maybe if they keep keep withholding water, that's going to happen. Did you feel any sympathy for her, Rob? Not really. (laughs) Not so much. Again, it's hard to feel
0: sympathy for her when she's not like admitting to what she did wrong. Like she's like, you know, these charges are BS and stuff like that. Like, you know, when she, you know, is like, you know what? I, you know, I screwed up. Like, please have sympathy for me. Like, I feel like it's hard to hold on to. I'm innocent. And then when when we know she's not, even if the charges are BS and then also feel bad for her.
1: Yeah. I mean, these are not trumped up charges. You're right. And she knows what she did. And she doesn't necessarily want to face them. She's trying to find any way out right now. So I am starting to feel a little sorry for her, though. It's turning that way. The tide has turned. It is, it is turning, for sure. Seeing her lick the ground was a pretty low moment
0: for me. Low moment. It was, it was certainly a low moment. Okay. Yes. What about Michelle Jones?
1: Michelle wants to know, Rob, do you think it would be wiser for Cersei to confess and hopefully get the mother's mercy or go through a trial? I think confess. Yeah. She's not, getting, uh, she's not getting Jimmy McGill walking in there to defend her in the trial. I don't know who the best Westerosi lawyer is, but I don't think, I mean, and, and Cersei could probably get that person, but I don't think that person's out there. These trials seem to be pig circuses. Like they don't seem to be very well or organized. So I don't know exactly where we're going to go with that, but it seems like confession would seem like a better route. <laughs> uh, Jimmy of house McGill. Jimmy of house of his name. First of his name. <laughs> Is he
0: allowed to be that, or does he get he get kicked out and has to go to the wall and have a different name?
1: Oh he would he would have been put in the night's watch. That would have been a perfect deal for Jimmy McGill. And yeah. then he could have just been like, you know Jimmy Rivers or Jimmy Snow or Jimmy something <laughs> like that. He could have taken a bastard name on or uh, yeah, the the problem with Jimmy McGill is his name. He's like a monkey with a machine gun, you know, so dangerous for Jimmy McGill. Is that a dragon glass machine gun? It is a, ideally a dragon glass <laughs> machine gun. That would be fantastic, okay.
0: Then uh, this is from Sarah Blackfire who says "Kyburn says uh, the work continues does anyone else assume that he's referring to the large mountain sized body in his lap yes please
1: yeah it has to be we got to see that we got to see that yes uh, the last thing I want to see is Arya walk into that room and wash that body off I want to see that guy jump off that table
0: yeah boy I hope uh, I hope. you think we're going to get that in season 5
1: is this season 5 <laughs>
0: Still season <laughs> yeah. five. Yeah, I don't
1: think we're going to get that this season. I, I would love to see it, but I don't. I don't know. Could happen. They're they're well ahead of the books in many respects, and uh, I'm not going to talk about where the books are with that storyline. But uh, I think we could see. We already saw a little Russell, so it would be nice to see a payoff of that Russell in this season.
0: Okay, Antonio, bringing Samoa into this. Uh, okay. We already had
1: Natalie Bolton.
0: Yes. All right. So it's uh, yeah, Natalie Snow, I believe. Natalie uh, Snow. My apologies. Yes. Uh, Jason Burning. Uh, so since uh, Valerian Steel seems to be an uh, better alternative to Dragon Glass, will we see an excursion to Valeria? And I think I uh, that's uh, Zach Brooks's joke from Twitter, uh, from from before. Okay. Uh, well, are we going back to Valeria now, right?
1: I would love to go back to Valeria. We already see that it's populated with some terrifying people. So I. I think Stannis has also mentioned that Dragonstone uh, has some obsidian there, mm-hmm. uh, and there's some interesting rock there, so maybe it's a Dragonstone kind of thing, or maybe it's just as simple as the fact that you could have all the Valyrian steel in the world and, and maybe not be able to take these guys out. Again, I think it comes down to the fact that their army of the undead. You can fight them like an army, but the people that can continue to then raise those people up and make more and basically etch-a-sketch your battle and say... Doesn't matter what happened. Just shook it up and we're back to square one again. Those are the people that you have to kill. You can kill those people with dragonglass, apparently. You can also kill them with Valyrian steel. We got to find a way to get those guys down, uh, whatever it is.
0: But I think that it's not necessarily clear to the TV watching audience. Valyrian steel is like the rarest of commodities in the Game of Thrones world. There's like how many Valyrian steel swords in the entire world?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as, as far as we know, right now, in the context of our story, there are three. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there was Ned Stark's sword, which got turned into two. Uh, Brienne has one, and the, presumably Tommen has the other. Uh, and then there's the one Jon Snow has. And that's really, I think, it. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, I, actually, so I don't know if we're going to see more or uh, if, if there's more out there. But yeah, it is super, super, super rare. Uh, and it, it, it is not exactly easy to reforge and forge, uh, as Tywin kind of talked about. So mm-hmm. it's a, it, I don't think we can, I, I'm not, I'm not putting all our eggs in the Valyrian steel basket, Jason burning. I wouldn't do that because I don't know that it, we're going to, we're going to get a whole bunch more Valyrian steel out there. Uh, but there is something to be said for dragonglass and Valyrian steel. They, they can do the job in a pinch, but I think the job we need to do is much bigger. I think we need the machine gun. That's about it.
0: Okay. Well, let's do one more question. Antonio. From Chip Hyden, who says, uh, though, I saw one of the whites with an arrow in its head still attacking. Do traditional kill the brain zombie rules not apply?
1: Yeah, I I think for some of those whites, uh, you got to cut their head off or you got to kill them. I don't know about a brain on some of the skeletons. I think some of the other ones are easier to kill. But uh, for some of those skeletons, I think it's army of darkness rules. I think you just got to pulverize them.
0: Yeah. If it is a skeleton, I think it doesn't have a brain. Right. I think it's sort of like a magic thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, one last question. Uh, Crystal Palmer says, did you notice the irony of wildlings having a wall of their own uh, while complaining about the night's watch, having a wall to keep the wildlings out? Yeah. What what was the point of their big uh, wall? Is Is that in case the, the crows come and try to attack the wildlings, they can close their own gate.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you look back at the history of Hardhome as a village, uh, and being as desolate and remote as it is, that wall is probably meant to keep the wildlings out, ultimately, uh, or or meant to keep out uh, other people, other groups of wildlings from the people that were living in Hardhome. So I think that that's probably what it was. I do think that that was ironic. I have one more question for you, Rob, if you don't mind, from Jordan Kalish. Where's Littlefinger in all this? Do mm-hmm. you think he's in Tommen's ear? Do you think that's what happened? That's what's happening with Tommen, that we've got Littlefinger back channel or back channel do, doing something we talked about
0: on the feedback show could Littlefinger and the High Sparrow be together? I would believe that a lot more than Littlefinger and Tommen. I mean, there's just no history between Littlefinger and Tommen, and I feel like with unless it was Littlefinger with the High Sparrow, I think it's way too dangerous for Littlefinger to be moving around in King's Landing at this time.
1: Yeah, he's not really the, the Willy Wonka like pulling all the children in. I don't. I don't Slugworth, see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's more of a Slugworth. Yeah, that's the Ice Barrow. Um Yeah, I don't, I don't really see that happening with Littlefinger. There's no way he could come between Tommen and Cersei. I just don't see it happening. Tommen
0: and Mommen. Nobody's coming Tommen's in between happened. them. Okay. No, not happening. All right, Antonio, great job tonight. What's the hashtag?
1: Oh, my gosh. I is really it, like when you said Walker Flocka.
0: Walker Flocka. Uh,
1: that Walker Flocka is the rapper, so that's perfect.
0: Okay. I, I was going to also what else we
1: got? shut up, Ollie. Shut up, Ollie. Well, yeah, that's pretty memorable.
0: A uh, dragon oh, glass machine gun is in the mix.
1: Yeah, shut up, Ollie is good.
0: Okay. All right. Well, what, if you don't agree with shut up, Ollie, you can go with a uh, Walker Flocka.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just I, lo- I like the idea that uh, that they're just on some drug. I, I mean, I've watched Mad Max a few times now, and these guys spray chrome in their face and go crazy. So I like to think the White Walkers were inspired by some drug rather than the fact that they're undead, which is terrifying.
0: Yeah, it's very scary. All right, Antonio. Now, uh, are the rumors true that you're going to be taking the reins for the Game of Thrones book club this week?
1: That's true. We're going to be taking the reins at Casimir. Jessica, Lisa, and I, Haymaker Hattie on Twitter, we'll be talking all things Game of Thrones book club uh, because Josh is away uh, and he's going to let us weigh in on what we think about all these book uh, book changes. So please, if you're a book reader and you have any questions you want to tweet at us, you can tweet at myself, at AC Mazzaro, that's two Z's and one R, or at Haymaker Hattie on Twitter. That's Jessica's twi- uh, Twitter handle. You can also always send us feedback. That's feedback at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, and and we'll, we'll just put book club in the subject line so Rob doesn't get spoiled. And we'll be <laughs> yeah, we'll be diving in on the book club this week. I'm, I'm very anxious. Yes. To talk about the, the changes. And then it's you and I on the feedback show, correct? Yeah, I can't wait. You've, you guys have set the bar pretty high on these feedback shows.
0: Yeah, so it's the last surprise couple of have been a little jokes. crazy. Yes.
1: Surprise Yes, was little, it was a surprise for all of us.
0: Match that. Yes. All right. <laughs> but that being said, if you want to get your voicemails into the show, go to postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail or send us an email to got at postshowrecaps.com. Subscribe to our Game of Thrones podcast feed at postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. And then uh, I think that's it, Antonio yeah follow Rob on Twitter he's
1: at Rob Sesternino.
0: yes and of course Antonio is at AC Mazzaro and if you need to uh, spell that there it is on the screen for you it's uh, two Z's one R there you go it's right
1: down there somewhere
0: all right Antonio great job tonight I will uh, talk to you on the feedback show and a lot to break down looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments and on the feedback show take care everybody have a great night bye